Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Question for you this morning, what is your responsibility to the government, to the state? What do you owe the state? While you're contemplating that question, let me add another one for you to consider. What is your responsibility to God, the church? What do you owe the church? Now, as we contemplate these two questions, you may be tempted to put all your eggs in one basket, as they say. In other words, you may be tempted to put all of your trust, all of your energy, your devotion, your submission exclusively either in the state or the church. And so if you lean towards the state, if the state says jump, well, then you will expect everyone, including the church, to jump. And if people are not jumping, you will wave your finger at them and call them out to obey the proper authority of the state. Or if you lean the other way, towards the church, yes, towards the church, and the church says sit, you will expect everyone to sit, including the state. And if everyone does not sit, you wave your finger at them, and you call them out to obey proper authority. But there's a fundamental flaw. Yes, there's a fundamental flaw in this kind of thinking. You see, Jesus says that we are to give to Caesar, we are to give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that belong to God. And so Jesus, he does not choose the state over and above the church, and he also does not choose the church over and above the state. So what this means is that you, 
as a Christian. You are not a secularist only reporting to the state. By no means, no how. You are not a secularist only reporting to the state. Also, as a Christian, you are not a monk or a nun who reports exclusively only to the church. Beware, my friends, of being a secularist by only reporting and exclusively looking to the state. And beware also of being a monk by exclusively looking to the realm of the church. You see, in our reading from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus was obviously challenged over the situation between God and Caesar, or how we like to say it, church and state. Keep in mind that the Roman Empire during that day and age was a pagan nation. It was a pagan government. The state was full of all sorts of covetousness and fraud and sexual misconduct, self-pleasure, and so forth. It was by no means a wholesome, good old government. The Romans were heathens. They knew nothing of correct worship. They knew nothing of God's word. And yet Jesus... Yes, Jesus, Jesus clearly shows us that a Christian does not have to withdraw from the secular society, the secular heathen realm. We do not have to become a monk and we do not have to become a nun. In fact, Jesus may surprise us a bit. He calls Christians to, yes, give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. To the point, give Caesar what is his. Yes, give Caesar what is his. But this is where we need to be extremely careful. Yes, extremely careful. And that is why, and that is this. What belongs to Caesar? Indeed, what belongs to Caesar? What belongs to the state? The obvious answer is that everything belongs to God. That's the obvious answer. God has established the state and he's established the church itself for keeping good order and giving his good gifts. But however, because God has established the church and the state for the sake of giving good order and blessings, there are proper realms to understand between the state and the church. It should be self-evident, though, what belongs to Caesar and what belongs to the church itself. Things such as money and possessions and property and taxes and roads and jobs and laws and mandates and so forth they are properly categorized underneath the state. And the things that belong to the church, well, your soul, our faith, this worship, the divine service, the sacraments, the word, confession, and so forth, these are the things that belong to the church. But as you know, my friends, this does not always work very well, this distinction between the church and the state. History has shown us that the church has at times called people to give Caesar's things to the church. Yes, at times, the things of Caesar's have been claimed by the church itself. The church has wandered away from its proper calling and dabbled in the realm of the state in the past. We can obviously think of the medieval ages where the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope many times gobbled up the state itself. But today, what is perhaps a bigger concern than the church gobbling up the state is the threat of the state demanding Christians to give unto Caesar the things that belong to God. Now, fortunately for us North Dakotans, this past year in 2020, all the past executive orders and city mandates and state laws 
and the provisions and the exclusions and so forth that have come forth, they have all come forth with an exclusion, providing an exclusion for the church. As Christians, we must applaud our North Dakota governing officials for not overstepping into the realm of the church. They've been very wise. Indeed, they have been very wise in recognizing the realm of the state and the realm of the church and respecting those two very realms. So just to be crystal clear, all the adjustments that we have made here at St. Paul's this last year to accommodate for COVID-19, they are not, I repeat, they are not because of executive orders and mandates or laws that were made and placed upon the church. There are technically no mandates, there are no laws, there are no executive orders directed at the church by the state of North Dakota. So everything we have done here at St. Paul's has not been to fulfill a mandate or a law or some sort of provision by the state, but it has been done by our own voluntary free will to try and best serve our members. So that brings up an interesting question. What happens that day when that day comes along that the state does make mandates and the state does make laws or executive orders to include the church? Mandates and laws and executive orders that may perhaps infringe on our worship and our prayers and our piety. Then what? Perhaps a very appropriate biblical story to consider with this respect is the book of Daniel. See, some 600 years before Jesus, Daniel was in a kingdom called Babylon. And as was Daniel's custom, three times a day, he would go to his upper room, open his windows, and pray towards Jerusalem to thank his Lord and God, to worship three times a day. However, long story short, to make things quite simple, what came about was a royal decree that was made that over a period of 30 days, No one should be able to pray to any god, any pagan god, but only pray to or through King Darius, the king of Babylon. So after this decree, an edict was established, and the king actually had a seal placed on him, and it was a done deal. No more praying for Daniel, no more facing Jerusalem, done. Daniel, you're done. Now, keep in mind that Daniel tended to be the type of person who crossed his T's and dotted his I's with all the laws of governing authorities. Daniel was no crazy radical rebel looking to pick a fight with King Darius or stir the pot of the Babylonians. And so it makes sense that Daniel did not indulge in some sort of heated protest after the decree came about. Daniel, he, he did not start a riot. He did not go down to the local marketplace and and trash somebody's pottery business or overthrow a table full of fish. He did none of this. Indeed, he did none of this. Instead, Daniel, he went home. Get this, he went home. He went to his upper chamber. He opened the window and he prayed towards Jerusalem, giving thanks to God. Daniel did not change anything one bit. He did not change anything one bit. Now, I suppose Daniel could have kept the window shut and prayed very quietly not to be noticed, and I'm sure he could have waited perhaps to the evening and waited to hear people snoring and sleeping. Then he could have opened the window and prayed under the the, the moon, the light of the moon, 
And he could have maybe perhaps given up his prayer saying, it's only 30 days, I can make it 30 days, a 30-day fast without prayer. But he didn't. Now, the reason why Daniel did not change his custom of daily worship and prayer was that this prayer and worship were not things that belonged to King Darius. That is to say, Daniel was called to give unto King Darius what belonged to King Darius, but prayer and worship, well, they did not belong to King Darius, but they belonged to God. And so Daniel could not give to King Darius that which was not for his taking. Daniel did not bow or respect or even seem to pay attention or listen to King Darius' edict and decree because King Darius, I remind you, did not have the authority to make such an edict and decree in the first place. And so it's quite clear. If and when the state makes decrees and mandates and laws that infringe on the church, we Christians are not breaking the fourth commandment when we peacefully resist. Yes, please hear this clearly. We must be ready as Christians for the time when the state does overstep. For when the state does overstep, we must guard ourselves on the one hand, from grabbing a pitchfork with a riotous spirit, on the one hand, and we must guard ourselves on the other hand with rationalizing our faith away to the point of giving into the state and giving the state a green light to do whatever it wants, to overstep its bounds. If the state oversteps, we need not rise up with pitchforks and we need not roll over in weakness, but we must be ready to calmly and collectively continue with our worship of God, knowing that we are not disloyal citizens, but faithful to God and not man. But what if there are consequences or suffering? You see, if there are consequences or suffering for not honoring the state, if and when the state oversteps, well, we shall trust the favor of God and his deliverance to sustain us as we do every single week already, as we walk through this valley of tears, we trust in his goodness, his grace, his mercy to sustain us no matter what comes our way. Remember, you are not a secularist. You, you do not live exclusively by the authority of the state. You are a Christian. You are a baptized, blood-bought Christians. You are also not a monk living in only exclusively to the authority of the church. You are a Christian. You are baptized unto Christ. You are citizens of both the state and the kingdom. And so you give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, not the things that are God's, and you give unto God the things that are God's, not the things of Caesar. And when the church perhaps gets greedy and tries to take what is Caesar's, well, you shall resist with calmness, with a calm resolve, for you know you are baptized and when the state gets greedy and takes what belongs to God, while well, you shall do the same, you shall resist with a calm resolve, knowing that you are the baptized. You see, both the state and the church, they must be always sharply distinguished. While respecting both the state and the church, yes, respecting both, because both of them find their origin and authority in the Lord as they work together in harmony, side by side. They are indeed two separate kingdoms, two realms, ultimately to serve for our benefit. You are the baptized. 
you are the baptized. We give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. We give unto God what is God's. And we rest in our baptisms no matter what happens as we live this life until he chooses to take us home. In the name of Jesus. strong word bespeaks us righteous bright with thine own holiness thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon you can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from pastor matthew richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit saint paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org The Lord bless and keep you.